I'm Joe Forish, and this is You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. We talk about data, analytics, and its impact on business and society. We are the podcast for the Analytics Impact Network. Please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org. On today's show, we're going to chat about how NFTs really work. If you want to buy some NFTs, how do you do it? And finally, we'll talk about the importance of the NFT community. My guest today is Arvind Kamse. Arvind is the world's foremost expert in marketing NFTs. Arvind has always been on the forefront of new tech trends, from his interest in biohacking to mastering the NFT marketplace. In 2021, he successfully sold out an Italian artist collection. Since then, he has consulted with over 400 NFT brands and has agency partnerships with Reddit, Twitter, Quora, and Meta. His two largest NFT projects, Sands Vegas Casino Club and Meta Legends, both sold out. Most recently, Arvin helped Women of Crypto hit number one on IC Tools and is the number one trending on OpenSea. He is also a featured speaker at high-profile blockchain fest events coming up in both Cyprus and Singapore Struction, hospitality, healthcare, financial, education, travel, and more. Hi, Arvin. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. We're going to talk a little bit today about NFTs. And before we start, can you tell our listeners exactly what an NFT is? Yeah. So NFT is, uh, you know, it could be a moment of time. It could be an audio, video. Um, it's far beyond just an expensive JPEGs. What really matters for people to know as far as just like in addition to, you know, the, what they see visually is the utilities behind the NFTs. So there are, as, as, um, as a holder of NFT, you get to actually get some benefits. Um, and it could be, you know, it could be monetary benefits. Um, it could be security benefits. It could be many other benefits as well. So it's essentially um, some sort of um, audio video that cannot be replicated. Um, and there's only one version of it. They typically, especially this year um, onward, they have a specific utilities that go with, with uh, holding them. That's what NFTs are. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. It's very helpful for us. Now, we've understood a little bit about what NFTs are, but where you come into the picture is that you actually market the NFTs. Clearly, there's a big difference between your Web 2 or Web 2.0 and now Web 3. What's the difference between what was Web 2 and now what is Web 3? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I guess let's go even back further. So Web 1, 1.0 um, was essentially read-only. So you would be a consumer of information on the World Wide Web. So you would see things online on a website and you could, you could essentially use the content, utilize it um, as a read-only. You didn't have any interactions with the content. Web 2 came about where companies like Facebook, Instagram, well, Facebook and Instagram right now is the same, but Facebook, Instagram, all sorts of social media platforms, they started collecting info, especially Google too, by the way, collecting info from the users. So now they could actually show you customized content. So that's what that's what the web two is. So let's say if you um, and I, we both open up our Facebook pages, well, actually the, the profiles, 
um, we'll be seeing different feed. Yeah, of course. And that's what that's what Web two is about. Um, and then moving on to Web three is when you own the data. Your identity is masked. Um, you have a lot of other, I guess, a lot of additional things that are recorded in the blockchain of things versus mm-hmm. just the just the internet itself. In terms of when you say you owning it, that means the user owns the content. Yes, the user. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just it's improved security. It's also um, as far as um, your identity not being revealed as something that people don't want to have. Because that was a big thing in Web two, like our privacy was violated like big time, um, and so that's that's the evolution of that where you have control over your own data. So now that we know what Web one, two, three are, then as far as marketing goes, so in the Web two, obviously targeted marketing was a big deal. So back in two thousand and nine, I believe uh, on Facebook, I think you started actually being able to target well actually 2007 i think if i'm not mistaken 2007 i think you started actually being able to target people based on their interest online so let's say you would go on your facebook ads manager um you could say hey um, i want to target all sorts of people in the age and demographics of um, whatever specifics are Um, and then um, also i want them to be um, interested in xyz like let's say they go to uh, Whole Food, um, and then they have um, they're interested in Ford, um, let's say brand, and also their business owner, small business owner, right? So you can very very um, accurately target target people. So that was Web two, um, and then so you could run ads to people. We on in addition to that, we had so that's the paid advertising side of things, and then we had the earned um, media as well, which is like what you do after you do your paid advertising, and then you essentially right get people coming into you as an inbound. Um, and so things that were really common in the web too was, you know, building your social media platforms, whether it be it like Facebook, Instagram, building a following, uh, building an email list, uh, building a text list, um, and then continuously nurturing people to buy your product and services. Like that's what web two was. Now, web three is different. So, and web three is even changing almost every month or so. Wow. Um, and so the marketing on for, for Web3 is very different to the Web2 world. So you cannot just have an NFT project. And I've actually seen this many, many times. People tried to do this. But like you can't just, let's say, like organizing event um, and then just say, hey, you guys, like these 100 people come into my event and I'm going to sell my NFT on a stage, for example. It just doesn't work like that. You can't sell NFTs with uh, methodologies that we use for Web2 marketing. So you can't just run an ad and just say, hey, here's my NFT, go buy it. That doesn't work. Okay. You can't just take, take, people, um, take people's emails and just say, hey, um, here's this cool NFT that I have. I'm going to email you about it. And then um, every week I'm going to send you a newsletter. Um, and then tell you about all sorts of cool things that our NFT project does, and then just buy our NFT. That doesn't work neither. So how does Web3 marketing differ than that? There are specific components to Web3. So you got to have your Twitter, you got to have your Discord completely like tuned in to the Web3 uh, world. So what that means is on Discord, I used to say, if anyone like listens to anything that, any content that I have, like even up until, I want to say maybe February, 2021, 
uh, sorry, February 2022, I would have said you got to build your Discord to uh, three to five times the number of your collection size. So let's say if you have a collection size of 10,000 NFTs, then you would want to have a minimum of 30 to 50,000 people on your Discord. And for people who don't know what Discord is, it's just like WhatsApp or any other platform, like social media platform. But the difference and the reason that we're using it in Web3 is, again, because you can be anonymous. And so the concept of identity is very uh, valued in the Web3, way way more than Web2. So that's why we picked Discord Mm -hmm. for actually representing ourselves in the community form. And also, it, ha- it doesn't have any ads on it. There are a lot of features for actually managing communities, which is a big deal with NFTs. So NFTs on their own, they're inherently you know, not really valuable. Um, it's the community that, behind, uh, that comes behind a specific NFT that gives the value to that NFT. And so for that reason, we need to have Discord. And so there are other platforms we could have chosen, right? We could have chosen WhatsApp, Telegram, or so on and so forth. But Discord, it just happens to be the most relevant to the Web3. So that's why Discord is chosen. In terms of the the followers, you're saying, let's say you have 10,000 NFTs in your collection, you want to have three to five that amount on your Discord. Why, why is there that ratio? Because in the past, about 30% of uh, the... Discord members would buy your NFTs. That was the formula for it, but that has changed. So this is so the new way of doing things is actually not building a large Discord. So I, there were there were some Discord um, like a servers I built it to a, a, almost like two hundred fifty thousand people in it, but we no longer do that. What we focus on right now and what's actually working is building a closed Discord. It's more of an invite only. Discord, where you don't need to have as many people. Um, You still want to have a lot of people in it, but not as many people to bring to say, hey, only 30% of them are going to be interested. This time around, you only bring people who are interested. You bring in those 30% that you would have brought previously. So now as far as Discord, and I can talk about more how you would do that, but um, that's as far as Discord. And on Twitter, you want to have a minimum of 5,000 people on your Twitter. It's good to have your blue check because, well, I guess I'll just tell you why. Because community, NFT community right now is very skeptic. Um, It's not the same as six, seven months ago uh, where everything you would say people would believe. And then also they would just be very trusting in everything that brands would say. That time has passed. Um, and so having a blue check on your Twitter, on your social media, like let's say Instagram, Facebook, on Ethereum blockchain, if you're going to be on OpenSea, having a blue check on OpenSea, uh, having a blue check for your contract, for your brand, so on and so forth. So first one was Discord. Second one was Twitter. Um, and then the last one is it's a series of things that basically people know it as like whitelist. Whitelisters are essentially for people who don't know, essentially people who give their wallet address to the to the brand to be added into the smart contract so they can buy the NFT uh, typically at an earlier date than everyone else. So in the private sale. They get a first look essentially at the NFT? Well, not necessarily the first look because everyone sees the NFTs at the same time, but they get to buy it at an earlier date. Oh, gotcha. Like a day earlier, a week earlier? Uh, typically, so again, this has also changed. So t- it used to be you would do it, like, you know, in a, even in a week. But now it's more like hours. Yeah, even like let's say two months ago, it was more like a day. 
Now it's about hours. So it's sped up the process quite a bit. It also sounds like you're developing more of this community around it, not so much in a public forum, but more in a private forum where it's invite only to create people who are very, very interested in certain areas of NFTs. Exactly. Someone who wants to understand why this is happening and just see kind of they can predict the future of it. Basically, let's say back in November, December 2021, that's when the search inquiries for um, NFTs surpassed cryptocurrency uh, searches. So then there was a huge uptake of users in the NFT community. So they started actually, so people in the US, Canada, they started learning about things. So now people have heard about NFTs. They still don't know what they are, but they've at least heard about it. Now, because of that, a lot of people, a lot of especially newbies came in and bought a lot of NFTs, but they didn't know what they were doing. There were some people who, who did well and some people, I guess, didn't really well because they didn't know what they didn't know the components to look for, what to look for as far as like buying into a project, so on and so forth. The market has changed. So those people who didn't have a great experience and if they still want to be in the community, now they're very skeptic. And we have a lot more of those people right now than we had in the past. But it sounds like there's a lot more people in the community, but the people that have come in are skeptical or don't understand it. Whereas the people who were in the community for whether a year, three years, five years, understand it a lot more and really understand the concept. Yeah, they were the ones that were buying and selling regardless of like the, the what's happening with the market. But the new ones, they're coming in because they see people like influencers on social media. Uh, they're making it looking like a very shiny thing to, to get involved with. Um, and so, you know, people talk about, you know, I've made six figures mm-hmm. um, and it's so easy, right? So that concept is just being circulated around social media so much, which is true for some people. Um, I mean, my sister, third month into like learning about NFTs, she made 20K in a month wow. just trading NFTs. So that's not bad for someone who is 19 year old and never done anything business-wise in her life. No investing experience, didn't read a book about it. That's just, you know, just talking to me pr- practically, nothing else. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be skeptical if there was a book on a market that's moving so quickly, right? Because everything changes so fast, right? So if someone's going to print, it's probably too old, right? Yes, exactly. Honestly, to your point, I have this program, it's called SON, so sold out NFTs. I showed people specific things back in November in the program. Someone bought it, like I think, I think that was like beginning of a program and someone bought it at like mid-November. And then he posted on my Discord. He's like, this course is outdated. I'm like, what are you talking about? We literally just like shot these videos like two weeks ago. And he was right because like just changes so fast. I continuously need to actually update things. So like that's to your point, like a book that comes out and just say, hey, what what to do with mm-hmm. NFTs? I don't know how, how, how long you can use that book for. But it's obviously it's still interesting content, right? So you can see what have happened in the past. Right. It's more of a... Um... Yeah, historical point of view, right? Even even though the book might be one year old, it's ancient history in this market. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's very crazy. Um, so, so the market has changed in a sense that everyone now is part of at least 20, 30 different Discord servers. All put it on mute because they don't want to just be hit by this, you know, the beeping sound of the Discord all the time. Right. Um, and so now people just overwhelm. So there's so many people doing the same thing about NFTs. So just so people get a sense of the volume, it's about 500 new NFT projects a day. Um, and so it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and so for that reason, the, uh, the concept of just telling people, hey, join my Discord, 
you cannot just tell people join my Discord and expect people to just join your Discord for no reason because everyone is doing that. Imagine so many people doing it. And so there's you as a buyer, you cannot choose which one to join. Um, so it's really hard. So if I then tell you, say, hey, you get to actually understand if you want to buy or not, then join my Discord, then that would be a valuable thing for you because then you, you actually have a purpose for joining that Discord versus just being there and chatting with people. So, so that's where this whole new approach comes from, where we qualify people um, many, many times. So for example, in the past, again, like I would say even up until like beginning of this year, we used to tell people, say, hey, come, on, come, to, your, come, on, come to our Discord, join our Discord and engage, and then maybe be a level eight uh, let's say engager, um, invite a bunch of people to this Discord, do this, do that. And then eventually you become a whitelist. But now what we're doing is say, hey, you need to do all of those things, become a whitelist first, then we add you to our Discord. Because we don't need to have all these other people who don't want to even be a part of our whitelist. If you're not going to buy the NFTs, what is the point of being in my Discord? Right. So the process has changed quite a bit. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so we're cutting those steps as well, right? So instead of just bringing you to Discord first, then asking you to become a whitelist, we're like, no, let's just cut that. Let's just have you be a whitelist for our community. Sometimes even buy things from us prior to actually buy the NFT. And I can tell you more about that too. Yeah, go for it. But um, the concept, yeah, so the concept is like, okay, what, what are some things you can ask people to qualify themselves? You can say, hey, follow us on Twitter. Uh, let's say, uh, go and just comment on all our like new posts on Twitter and maybe share it with 10 people, so on and so forth, right? So we've um, for a specific project, I don't name projects anymore on po- podcasts, but for a specific project, we did this. And then we had about 10,000 people who just over a week said, we're going to do this essentially. Like they, they would go through all the qualifications. And then we were like, okay, well, that's way too many people. We only have 3,000 collection size. That's way too many people we can't even have these people just all buy it. That just doesn't work. So we're like, okay, hey guys, there's a lot of demand, obviously. We had another collection. If you guys go buy one of the NFTs from our previous collection, we're going to guarantee you a spot so you can buy the NFT. Some people started actually buying the other NFTs to be able to buy this new NFT. In other words, in the process of marketing this new NFT, we were actually profiting. Like we were actually making money to market this new NFT. That's all part of the qualification. It's just that it gives the founders a lot more certainty going into their mint day, meaning the day that they actually sell their NFTs, knowing that actually people are going to be interested and buy it. In the past, it was it was crazy. Like I remember back in November and December, I had a few sold out um, projects. And two days before, I would just not sleep um, just because I didn't know. Like we had so many, we had like 40,000, 60,000 people in our Discord, but I just didn't know who's going to buy, who's not going to buy. It was just all people there and chatting, but who knew what's going to happen, right? But we changed that. Um, We changed it by just qualifying people so many times where um, you are certain that the people who just double down so much into your project, they're going to buy it because they don't, just no one's going to spend that much time and energy and sometimes money as well to just say, hey, I'm interested to buy this. Right. And with the qualifying NFT, you know, for lack of a better word, is that an NFT that's related to the one that you're selling? So let's say it's a sports NFT. 
with the first one that your people are buying into? Is that also a sports-related entity? Oh, so yeah. So in the in the example I mentioned, it was actually another NFT of, from the same brand. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So they had a different collection, uh, which would make sense for so we would make money from that. But like it could be anything. So another uh, brand. So I worked with about four hundred so uh, NFT projects. Wow. One of the one of the brands is trying out right now is asking people to just essentially spend a dollar with them. Um, this is a dollar toward their NFT purchase. So obviously a dollar is not going to make anyone rich. But if you think about that, starting the purchase process with just just that one dollar that um, you, first of all, you show that you're interested, you show that you have a crypto wallet that you can actually buy things, which is very important. If you don't have it, you're not going to be able to buy. Um, and then you've invested, even though it's a dollar, you've invested something in this project. Um, and then, so there's things like that that you can do to qualify people. That's the name of the game right now. It's just qualification and just making it um, so so that it's only for people that are highly, highly, highly interested. Yeah, I think that's a great approach. And you mentioned before that the concept of the community and building people with similar interests around certain areas. I think I'm going to probably misquote you, but you're saying something that the NFT really doesn't have any value until it's marketed properly. Yeah. Yes. So what does that value creation process look like for the community? 100%. First of all, that's not that's not to be disrespectful to like artists because like a lot of times actual artists are coming in creating these pro- NFT projects, right? So their art value is, their art value obviously has value, right? right. But as a digital art, two people who are looking at it, even... I'm not going to name this person, but this artist that is from actually centuries ago who has an NFT, world famous artist. He or she is probably not alive anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're, they're like family members. They actually created an NFT. It was priced at like a really large value. So as is actual artwork, which is like in museums and so, so, so on and so forth. But the thing is, in the digital world, that doesn't, that doesn't have the same value. Mm-hmm. In the physical world, it does. As an artist, you can you can say, hey, this is the value of my art. But in the digital world, it's it's not the same because a buyer or investor is not looking at the inherent value of a project. It's actually first thing, that's like kind of like a secondary. First thing they look at, they, they look at, say, hey, what's the community behind your project? How many people do you have in your Discord and Twitter? And then how many whitelisters you have? Do you have hype for this project? And hype, I don't mean like faking it till you make it, that kind of thing. What I mean is, do you have more demand for this project than there are actually collection size? Is it going to be a scarce um, NFT? Or is this just like something that like, it's just so many of them and no one's buying them, right? That's very important. So those are the components that actually give value to the, to the NFT. And then at the end of the day, and this is something I've started doing with projects that I work with to just tell them, hey, Actually ask you, so do all the work that you need to do, market your NFT, create the hype, build a large community behind it. And then at like a few days before your mint day, actually ask your community and just say, hey, as a community, what do you think is the value of this art? And then they will value it themselves. The community actually say, hey, this is the value. It doesn't matter what the artist is going to say. It's the community that's going to say, hey, what the value is, right? And obviously, they're there to support the artists. It's not like they're not going to devalue the artists just to, just to buy some NFTs. Right. So the community is actually there creating a market exactly. where there is true supply and yes. demand. 
and creating a price where the equilibrium in the market actually will lie. Yes. And that's actually really like an advanced move to take for NFT projects because as far as raising the flow price later on, they will have less problems if they've done that. Because like, so imagine, let's say I have a, I have an NFT that I, as in, let's say as a founder of an NFT, I want to sell my NFT for 0.1 ETH. My community decides, um, let's say my art actually is valued at, let's say 0.5 or even just even at worst, just say what I said, which is 0.1. So no one's going to actually bring it below that level. Um, so your floor price is going to stay at the value that the community just given it. So, which is really important. Like that's a challenge if the floor price goes down and then people list your NFTs at a lower price. And then for you to later on incentivize them to delist it or actually just you have to buy it from them and then list it at a larger price. There's a lot of things you have to do at that point to like solve that problem. But if you just have the community on its own, they say, hey, we're not going to list this any less than let's say 0.1 ETH, which is right now, I believe that's an equivalent of 600 bucks or something. But that's that's the concept is like, it's actually very helpful as, as for marketing a project if you do it. But to go back to your uh, question, the art itself will have no value un- until there's a market for it, until people actually come and say, hey, this is there's so much demand for this and I really want to buy it. And of course, there are obviously always going to be some NFT collectors that they don't care about the, the value of the art. They just buy it because they're interested in the aesthetic. So like, meaning they just want to look at that art and just be like, hey, I collected this and I really like it, or I don't really like it, but it brings me some status or some utilities that I really want. So I'm just going to buy it regardless of the price. But that's a small portion of the community. The majority of people, they actually look, hey, what's, what's the value of that NFT based on all the components that we just discussed. Yeah, there's a lot of components, a lot of pieces, but it sounds that if if someone's in the right community, things will go well for them from the NFT point of view. Oh, 100%. And then in terms of marketing, I would imagine there's different KPIs that you need to use to track how projects are going. So what are some of those that you keep track of? Yeah, so right now, if someone listens to something, some content from me from like even a few months ago, that was a completely different thing. Right, because the market has moved in a different direction. Changing, yeah, it's changing. So what, what I look for right now is if I can get people to follow, my, uh, follow the brand's Twitter and join the Discord and join the um, whitelist or interest list or what we call also waitlist, one, one of the three, to join all of the th- all three of them at the same time, and we pay for that person somewhere around fifty cents to about three dollars. So if we can acquire that person, one person to do all of the above at anywhere from fifty cents to three dollars, then we're good. That's basically as far as like hitting numbers and everything. That's like the biggest biggest thing I look for. And typically, what it looks like is initially we pay somewhere closer to three dollars to acquire that person. And then as we progress through the marketing, that goes down to closer to 50 cents. So it's actually the price to acquiring a new person to do all of the you know, following and joining Discord and joining whitelist and so on and so forth, that actually goes down, which is a really cool thing. And the, the reason is that like, as more people started talking about the project, it takes less for you to essentially bring awareness to the project because other people are doing it for you. It's just kind of like a, 
exponential movement. Right. Yeah. People start talking about it or tweeting about it or talking on Discord and the word of mouth is very, very powerful. Interesting enough, it really is. Uh, word of mouth is actually very influential, which is really odd because it's like all digital. Word of mouth, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> in a digital perspective, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, in terms of NFT brands actually building a Twitter following, how can they build a very large Twitter follower group after, say, one or two tweets? Is that something that could be done? Yeah, so that's literally like the mystery behind, uh, like that's the mystery in the NFT community. Like everyone's just wondering about like, how is it that some brands, they just say, they just have one post on their Twitter and then all of a sudden they just gain like 10,000 people as followers. Um, And so what people don't know what's behind this is really a series of influencers um, and also paid advertising that is very well organized um, to happen at the same time. Um, and so the way it works is you essentially get, so like you say, for example, you, you have lined up some influencers for yourself and you say, hey, on this specific date, um, we're going to have a tweet and I want you to, the moment it comes out, I want you guys to go retweet it um, all at the same time. Um, and so let's say you've got 10, 20 influencers, like depends on the size, you, need, you may need less influencers than than you would. But um, so then you have those influencers that are retweeting and then you have paid ads that also that's like, um, I guess, logistically, you need to know how to do that because you can't just go in on your Twitter ad platform and just randomly just run, let's say, $10,000 worth of ads. It's something you have to prepare prior. It's not a thing you can just do it like a night before. Um, And then um, so, so you have both of those over essentially over a day, you see that uh, you see that search and the number of people who are uh, following you on Twitter. Um, and the cool thing about that is, so obviously it's just like really exciting, even for the founders themselves to just see, hey, 10,000 real people who are actually interested in the NFT projects, they're actually going to follow the Twitter account, right? So you went from zero to 10,000 so quickly. But the more exciting part than that is actually the standard that you leave your community with. So you leave an impression for in the community that you go fast and essentially people are going to think that, Hey, they can't just like on the mint date, they can't just take their time. They have to quit, be quick. They have to buy it quickly. So you create that FOMO, you create that hype right away. And that's the standard you leave with people. And then if you be able to continue that, um, then that's going to be a very successful project. And something I think people may be not thinking about is like the hype itself, again, it has to be a real hype. You can't just fake it. You can't just buy followers and be like, oh, look, we've got like 50,000 people in our uh, on our Twitter. So we're going to sell out fast. So like come and buy everything like that doesn't work. That's not that's not what we're talking about here. Like we're talking about real people joining you like in a very short amount of time. And when that happens, because of that, influencers take notice. So they go and actually promote you even more. Um, and then the community itself gets like um, very excited. Yeah. They go talk about your project even more. Um, and so kind of just the snowballs and then everyone starts talking about it, right? And then now with, if you have that same standard all the way through your mint, you, you're not going to have a problem just incent- having to like incentivize people just say, hey, mint is live, go and mint right now. Oh, hey, it's been an hour, go mint. Like, you know, um, if you haven't minted, here's we're going to give you this thing as well and this other thing as well. <laughs> Just go mint. 
You don't have to right. do all of that. Like people just mint themselves, right? And that's how like some of the projects I worked with, we sold that in like seven minutes, eight minutes. Wow. Um, because there's already so much um, hype prior that people just waiting on their computer. Like even if it's like 2 a.m., they're just like waiting on like in front of the computer, just ready to click mint. Uh, that's what you want to create. Not so much of like, and, and sometimes people do this, they're thinking like it's okay, but like, not, you don't want it to be like people coming in on that mint day be like, oh, I'm just working. How is everyone? And like, I'm probably going to mint tomorrow. <laughs> like that doesn't work. It has to be very specific. And it sounds like you need to get a large group of organic yes. followers yes, in yes. your community, not paid followers. And then once that happens, people start noticing whether it's people within the community or other communities or especially influencers who then will really help the marketing quite a bit. 100%. The endorsement helps. Not so much of bringing people. They do bring people to your community as well, but the endorsement helps tremendously. So it's just that buying decision that the consumer is going to make is going to be influenced by the influencers. Not so much, because I think this is a big thing because a lot of times people go to influencers to grow their Discord and Twitter, but that's not what the influencers are for. And so... And, and people, like, let's say pay some influencer somewhere around 5 to 20K, and then they get, like, maybe 100 new Discord members or 3,000 even new Discord members. Sometimes they don't get any. Um, and then they get really disappointed. They're thinking, like, influencers are scamming them. Uh, but it's, that's not the case. Like, you, you don't need the inf – I mean, you will get new members if people like it. If people like your project, you will get new members. But that's not the point. The point is to have – um, influencers actually just telling people, hey, here are reasons why you should buy it. And it's just, you just need that extra. It's just like if you're about to just buy something and then you just ask for references and then someone's telling you, be like, yeah, great decision, go for it. That's that's exactly the vibe you, you want. Now, something you said that you said, uh, you talked about paid and organic. Yeah, is that a proper term? Well, so, okay. So that's sometimes confused for confusing for people. So, in the NFT community, organic means, so organic followers means followers that you didn't buy, meaning like real followers. In the, so organic advertising in the paid, I guess in the uh, more of a, like a web two and people who are in the advertising space, if you say organic means you didn't pay for it. So two different terms. For example, in the web three, to promote your project, you can actually run Twitter ads, which you pay Twitter to grow your following. So you actually paid for that. It's paid advertising, but it's still organic because you're getting you're getting real people joining your project. Sometimes people confuse it too because they they say, "Oh, if I if I pay an influencer or if I pay uh, social media platforms like Twitter." to grow my following, then it's not organic, but it is. You're still getting real followers, real people. In fact, way more targeted than you would do any other way. It's still organic in the sense that they're real, uh, but you would pay for it. Gotcha, that, that totally makes sense. Now, what other resources uh, can people read about? I know that you mentioned you ran some, if it was like a course or webinar, but where if people want to find out more about NFTs and marketing, where could they read about these, given that the market is moving so so quickly i think they want to just they want to go with people who are also just in it full time and like you know this is all they do just because 
it's sh- changing so quickly. If someone doesn't have the enough exposure to all the brands um, and to a volume of brands, they don't. They kind of miss things that, as they're happening. So, for example, this new strategy that I created, as of I want to say two weeks ago, everyone in my mastermind, the program I talked about previously, everyone in my mastermind is doing it. But I've already told them. I said, listen, as I'm sharing it with people, in a month or two. This is going to be obsolete. No one's going to be able to use this strategy. That it's just important to just basically be updated. That's what, and this is, it's more work for me, but that's what I do. Like in my program too, like I continuously update it. Like every, every week or so, I just look at, see if people are getting results. Great. Um, certain places where they're like kind of slacking, um, I will provide additional resources. And the way I do this is like, I basically go study brands that are successful on the NFT, um, in the NFT community, and just see what they've done to just see how I want to course correct to be able to just be relevant to the market. So um, my program is out there. I do a lot of um, podcasts and speaking. Um, actually, in May, I'm doing a world tour. Oh, wow. Um, going, to, going to Tomorrow Conference. That's the largest um, NFT conference in Europe. That's in Serbia. Then going to... Another event in between, I can't remember now. And then going to going to Toronto and then going to uh, Singapore for another blockchain fest. And then there's a lot of events. So I'm attending um, most of them as a speaker. That's also going to be a lot of content. And also the other speakers that provide a lot of content too. So that's also really helpful. On YouTube and iTunes, if people just look up my name and NFT, there's plenty of uh, content I've created so they can see those. I promise them it's not just one like marketing 101 because a lot of people on YouTube, they, that's all they have. Like It's just like marketing 101. There's, you never see the marketing 102 or 201 right. from the same people. But I provide, I provide the actual things that actually help people uh, sell out. I've already done that. Yeah, those are some of the places. And um, of course, on my Twitter and Instagram, and all socials is Arvin K NFT. So that's A R V I N K N F T. They can find me on those platforms as well. Great. Twitter. Just uh, just a side note. My Twitter is currently hacked, but uh, I will get it back. So by the time people listen to this, I will have it back. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can put your Twitter when it, when it's fixed and all the other resources in the show notes for listeners to follow you. And if someone wants to start an NFT collection. What's the easiest way to begin? The easiest way to do it is to actually partner up with people who've done this before. Basically sold out collections before, done marketing for sold out collections before, done the development for sold out collections before. It just changes so fast. There's not enough time to go and learn at this point. You have somewhere around four to six weeks from the time you start your marketing until you sell out. If you're going to spend two weeks of that you know, learning things and just figuring things out, you're really behind. And and you can't really start it and just say, well, I want to kind of just take my time. Like, it doesn't work like that. You just go in and you finish it. All the people that are following you, they, they're you're essentially responsible and accountable for all of them. So you can't just say, hey, like I started, but wait, I actually need more time. Like, it, you can't obviously do it, but it just doesn't leave your community with a great impression doesn't make you think like doesn't make them think you you know what you're doing and so it's very important right exactly and i have one final question for you 
It's a question that I ask all of my guests. Do you say data or data? Data. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time, Arvin. It was a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to You Say Data, I Say Data podcast. To become a member, sponsor, donor, or podcast guest, please visit us at analyticsimpactnetwork.org.